I believe that God is going to speak to us today. The question I have today and I felt in the Holy Ghost is, are you sensitive to seriousness? Are you sensitive to seriousness? Because they've said that we are living in a snowflake generation where it doesn't take a whole lot to melt people. It doesn't take a whole lot to make people angry. It doesn't take a whole lot to make somebody get on Facebook and blast you. It doesn't take a whole lot to make somebody mad. And I think it's because we're afraid. We're afraid to be serious. But what's interesting is that we are told all the day long to not be too serious about God while our world is very serious about the strangest things. <laughs> you look at people on Facebook and Instagram and even people in politics and they are serious about the most ridiculous things. And yet we're trying to be serious about the love of God and serious about Christianity and serious about forgiveness and serious about our worship. And we are told all day to be quiet, to be, to be still, to tone it down. And I don't understand that. I think we ought to be very serious about our walk with God. We ought to be very serious about salvation, serious about our relationship with Jesus. In Matthew 21 and 12, then Jesus went to the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple. And he overturned the tables. Your loving, sweet lamb of God turned over the tables. He flipped over the tables in the temple. Our loving, sweet God who died on the cross knew when it was time to get serious. He knew when it was time to flip over those tables and say, you know what? Enough is enough. Enough of all of this in my house. The Bible says he overturned the tables of money changers, businessmen in the church, businessmen in the kingdom of God. And, and he threw over those who were selling doves, sacrifices in the temple because you were supposed to bring your sacrifice, not buy your sacrifice. He said to them in verse 13, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've turned my house of prayer into a den of thieves. And he got very angry. He got angry because he was serious about us. He was serious about salvation, serious about our relationship. And look what it says in verse 14. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple. Then the blind and the lame came into the temple after Jesus got serious. Then the blind and the lame came into the temple and he healed them. Some revivals will only happen when we get serious. Are you worried about offending somebody? There are some people that need to be offended so that others can be healed. <laughs> there are some people that need to be offended so that others can be healed. Who are we here for today? We're here for the blind and the lame, not the religious. So let the religious be mad. Let the religious point their fingers. Let the religious go ahead and call us names. Let the religious try to destroy us. But, but let the blind and the lame come in. We have to have a serious movement before there's open freedom for people who need restoration. So the Holy Ghost asked me to come in this place today and just make sure we're still serious about God. I love Ecclesiastes 3 and 1 through 8. There's a time for everything, a time, a time, a season for everything, a time and for every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born. And there's a time to die. There's a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. There's a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep. And there's also a time to laugh for those of you that don't know how. 
let me just go ahead and just park this bus right here. There is a time to laugh. Some of y'all, some of y'all that call yourself serious need to be serious about having fun every now and then. There is a time to laugh. There's a time to break down. There's also a time to build up. Those of you that are negative Nancys, there's a time to build up every now and then. There's a time to actually be positive. I mean, when somebody's negative, maybe you need to balance them out with some positive. Don't just get a powwow with negativity. Maybe you need to be the balance. There's a time for you to build things back up. There's a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast the waste stones, a time to gather the stones, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. That's probably talking about COVID. (laughs) A time to gain and a time to lose. Uh, Don't let the CDC find that scripture. They'll use that one against us. A time to gain and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away. For those of you hoarders out there, (laughs) speaking to somebody right now in this place, you got storage units wasting money. There's a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, time to shut your mouth, and there's a time to speak. Some of y'all too quiet, some of y'all too loud. You need to find out what season you're in. You need to make sure that you're doing what you need to do for the season that you're in, for the time you're in. A time to love, a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. There's no such thing as I'm a peaceful person during war. You want to tell the Lord who you are, and the Lord is supposed to tell us who we are. He dictates the season. He tells us when it's time to fight, time to have peace. So when something's funny and lighthearted, I give you permission as your pastor to laugh and relax. Let me just start with that today. I want to give everybody permission to be able to know when it's time to have a good time. Because before I talk about being serious, and some of y'all that are serious are going to amen me and clap and be like, that's right, we got a lot of sin in the church. And those of you that are just wanting to fix it all, you have to have the ability to have joy and peace in your heart. It's easy to know if somebody's got some joy in the peace because they know how to laugh and cut back and unbutton their jacket, uh, let their hair down, uh, and just sit there and just smile and not get all stressy all the time. I can tell when someone has no joy and peace because they just can't relax. Anybody who can't be yourself around has no joy and peace. Anybody got to walk on eggshells around all the time has no joy and peace because they're always so sensitive all the time. Yeah, but whenever you can trust God, whenever you can know that he's the one that has everything in his hands, that nobody can do anything against you unless he allows it, you can just relax. David said, you prepared a table before before my enemies and you let me eat before my enemies. You can still have a good time before your enemies. Yeah, you can have peace. You can have joy. So learn how to have a little bit of fun. I give you permission to have fun. But I give you permission to have spiritual fun. Because some of y'all don't know the definition of godly fun. We might talk about that in a little bit, but I give you permission to laugh and have some fun. You can do it. You can have fun. Faith says it's not as bad as it seems right now. So have a little bit of fun. Smile a little bit. Laugh a little bit. Sometimes I got to laugh to keep from crying. When they were sticking the needles in my neck this past week, I had to make a few jokes under the influence of those drugs because I wanted to try not to weep before the Lord. The doctor walked out of the room after sticking me 15 times, 20 times in the back of the neck with an eight-inch needle, and he said, good to see y'all. And I said, oh, yeah, good to see ya. It was so much fun looking at your feet the whole time. <laughs> the nurse was laughing. My wife was laughing. But that was just my way of dealing with pain. <laughs> it's 
stop stressing so much. It's not as bad as you think it is. Learn the season of laughter. Learn the season. It's not that big of a deal. There are some things that are big deals, the other things that are not that big of a deal. So learn how to just sit back and relax. Let God be God. Unless it's truly worth it and important, then sometimes you got to get serious. We start talking about heaven and hell, you better hope you're serious. We start talking about your marriage that's broken, you better get real serious. You better not joke around with topics like that. There's no game when it comes to our children not being saved. Better get on the edge of your seat when the preacher starts preaching about stuff like that. Better put away all the jokes when it's time to talk about eternity. There is a season where we've got to understand this is no joke. This is for real. This is forever. Got to leave the funny stuff behind us. Got to start getting serious. But some of y'all, you're, you're afraid to be serious. And I want to comfort you today because some of you are like, oh, no, we're going to be serious. No one's going to like us. We're not going to have a fun life. But let me help you today. And let me tell you something. You're not really going to have good fun unless you're serious about your fun. Like, like these people that go fishing. Okay, I fish. I know about fishing. I've fished cheap, casually with people that didn't know what they were doing. And I was miserable the whole time. I'm talking about like a $15 Zebco pole, a box of worms, and somebody sitting by the side of some lake somewhere. You don't even know where the fish are at. And you're out there for three hours with your pole in the water, not catching one thing. Like, isn't this fun? And I'm like, no. I want to go home. Because, y'all, I don't fish. I catch. If we're not catching, I'm not out there. All right? Some of y'all are fishermen. You like just being out there, doing nothing, wasting your time. I don't go unless I think I can catch. So to me, here's how I want to fish. I want to be on a 21-foot bass boat with eight rods at my feet, every lure for every type of fish, for every situation. I want, I want to be out there. I don't want to be out there early in the morning. I want to be out there right before dark. I want everything to line up, and I want to fish with someone who takes it seriously. I fished with people before that were so serious that they never even smiled one time. They were just like... And you're like, hey, man, you having fun? They're like, oh, yeah, this is the best day ever. <laughs> Listen, people that are having fun, they don't always look goofy the whole time, you know? It's, it's not a look. It's not fake. It's not, it's not something shallow. Fun is more than just this goofy look on your face. Fun is something you care about, that you enjoy, that brings peace to you, that brings... Oh, Lord, help us. Yeah. Those hunters go out hunting. And they, they, they sit there in the stand with a Dr. Pepper, 30 feet away from the deer, listening to music. Got cologne on <laughs> so they can impress the animals. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you something about people who do sports the wrong way. They just, it's an excuse to go drink is all it is. I see people that don't care about catching fish. They just want to go drunk on the side of the lake is all they care about. I see some people like, you don't care about the fish or the deer. You just want an excuse to get away from your wife so you can go drink. That's what it is. People that don't really want to catch a fish or shoot a deer, they're really just out there to get away. But you know what? If you're serious about it, if you want to have some fun, you've got to really tackle this thing the right way. So these deer hunters that go out there and they just play around, they don't care where they hunt, they get in somebody's backyard somewhere and they just sit there waiting all day, they don't really take it seriously, they never, they never shoot anything, they never have any fun. Nothing big ever walks out. 
My father-in-law was just talking to me just a couple of days. They've been doing bow season. And, uh, and the pastor, he's a bishop now, the pastor of the church, is an incredibly talented hunter. And the dude is like Mr. Serious. He, he shoots massive bucks. I mean, the guy knows what he's doing. But the guy has a machine that takes the smell out of his clothing. Y'all have that machine at your house? Yeah? Do you have that thing? I don't have that thing. I can't even pronounce the word. It's like an ionic machine, a something machine. And he literally spent money. They have electric bikes so they can sneak in on the deer. <laughs> Talk about a goofy looking picture. Some dude on a little electric bike down the road. I mean, y'all, I'm talking about serious. They, they don't smell. They don't eat. They don't move. They don't breathe. They just... For two hours, three hours, they're in their stand an hour before the sun comes up. What? What are you going to do there? Can't make them, you can't move a muscle, but you know what? It's these kind of guys, when they get that big trophy, they say, wow, that was the best day of my life. Isn't it interesting how being serious can be fun? Yeah, these sports athletes, these weightlifters, they do it for fun. They're in the gym looking like, looking like they, they, and then they get done like high five. That was so fun, man. That was fun. Blood vessels, sweat, uh, looking like they're miserable, and they drop the weights and like, oh yeah. You just literally created pain on your body, and then you high five your buddy like this is fun. Why is it fun? It's fun because it's, it's serious. You can't do something halfway and enjoy it. You cannot be half-hearted or casual and have success. Because I don't know about you guys, but to me, when I play a game, I play to win. Because winning is fun. Some of y'all are like, well, we just play for fun. I'm like, that's what losers say. <laughs> we play for fun. Your mama taught you that because you weren't very good at the sport. She was trying to keep you from being depressed. Sweetheart, we just play for fun. That's right, Bob. <laughs> Never won before in your life. You, you play to win, to accomplish the goal. And that means you have to try. You have to be serious. Everybody like, I want to be a football player, make millions of dollars a year. No, you don't. You don't want to eat the diet. You don't want to have the diet they have. LeBron James has a gym right beside his living room, and he works out all day. Hey, LeBron, you want to go out here and, uh, you know, grab a burger? No, I don't. Why? Because I like my big house. I like my money. I like winning. See, see, we eat whatever we want, we live however we want, and we're not successful. But those guys are actually having fun out there living like that. I, I just wonder today, maybe if we took God more seriously, we might have more fun. I just kind of wonder today, maybe if you'd actually pray for real, you might actually have some fun serving God. I just wonder, maybe if you would just for once take it seriously and be here every service, maybe you'd have some fun. Maybe if you would literally study and obey, and maybe you'd finally start to enjoy. And nothing more miserable than just doing it half-hearted, always out there, sacrificing, but never having any results. You won't stay with your hobby very long if you never have results. Yeah. Ever heard somebody say, well, you know, this is so serious. Would you just be serious for a minute? I heard a lot growing up. My mom told me that. My teachers would... Uh, apparently get on to me when I was younger because I would try to make jokes and be like a class clown. And my, my teachers would tell my mom, my mom would say, you need to be more serious at school. You need to get that fixed. But I've always been able to see the comedy in life and, and not take things so serious all the time. 
Uh, I've always been able to just laugh things off. Uh, I would laugh when my mom tried to spank me when I was younger. I was probably 13 or 14. And she's, she's you know, five foot two and she's small. And I was, I was bigger than her by the age of 14. And she would try to, she'd be like, ugh, ugh. And I'd be like, okay, mom, you got me. I'm done. All right. I'm not ever going to do that again. And then my six foot one dad would come home and she'd be like, he'd laugh when I was spanking. I was like, dad, no, I don't. Dad, I didn't mean it. I knew how to get serious. There's a season for all things. But, but I, would, I, would, I would find the, the comedy in my mom trying her best to create pain, but she couldn't. And that's a weird way of being funny, but it was to me. It was funny that she was attempting to do this, and, and of course, I paid for it later. My mom, my mom is the side of the family that loves to stay out late at the party. My dad's the one that takes a separate car and, and goes home during the Christmas party because he's done with the crowds. He's done. He's like Brother Cooney in the car. Sister Cooney's, you know, talking... <laughs> My parents are a lot alike the Coonies. They, they are. It's, I, I, I lo- I'll always love the Coonies because I see my mom and my dad in them very closely. But my dad's the one in the car after church. Actually, my dad's the one in his own car going home. I don't want to give you any ideas for the Cooney, but <laughs> my dad's even more extreme. My dad is like, okay, enough with the crowds, enough with the party. I'm ready to go home. My mom's like, I'll stay and clean. So my mom wants to stay and just be as long as she can. So I definitely get that side of that, that, that having fun side from my mom. But then I understand also that there's a time to be serious. I could always make my mom probably kind of laugh or maybe get out of trouble with my mom, but not my dad. I couldn't, I couldn't sway my dad. I couldn't tell a joke. And, and my dad, all of a sudden, I was not in trouble. When my dad made his mind up that something was going to be done, it was going to be done. He was very serious about certain things. And so I understand the balance of learning when to laugh and learning when it's time to get real. Because I was raised around two examples of it. You know, the word serious, you know what it means? It just means to be extra careful, to use concern or caution. So while the idea or the word may not be a biblical word, the definition is very biblical. We're supposed to be sober-minded. We're supposed to be vigilant. We're supposed to make sure that we're walking carefully on the straight and the narrow road, looking at every step. This is no game. This is no game. Our salvation is very careful. We have to be serious. It's more of an attitude when something is really important to you. It, it's, it's how you act when things matter to you. And if, if you never get serious, then it doesn't matter. It's okay for you to take things seriously. You know, marriage is a lot more fun when you take it serious. Yeah. You got a lot more friends when you take a friendship seriously. Your job is a lot more fun when you actually work your job the right way. Yeah. Things are better when you are careful concerned, and it matters to you. Let me give you some Old Testament references and then some new. You ready? In Ezekiel 24, 9 and 14, there's a a plan revealed. God is judging his people, Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem and his people. He finally had enough of his his good graces and blessings. He would would often give his people all the time, being ignored by their selfish and their sinful ways. So after, after time and time of people saying, forget you, God, I don't care about how you treat us, your love and your mercy, your blessings, eventually he allows the enemy, Babylon, to come in and turn the heat up and conquer his beloved people. Why? Because the relationship is at stake and God doesn't play games with his relationship with us. He loves us too much to let us continue down the road. 
playing games with our salvation. It always has mattered to God how we treat him and how we serve him. We can continue with Ezekiel 25, 1 through 7, the New Living Translation, to give you the rest of the context. Then this message came to me from the Lord, Son of Man, look toward the land of Ammon and prophesy against this people. Give the Ammonites this message from the Sovereign Lord. Hear the word of the Sovereign Lord because you scoffed when my temple was desecrated, because you mocked Israel and her desolation, and you laughed at Judah as she went away into exile. I will allow nomads from the eastern desert to overrun your country. They will set up their camps among you and pitch their tents on your land. They will harvest all your fruit and steal your livestock, and I will turn the city of Rabbah into a pasture for camels, and all the land of the Ammonites into an closure of sheep, then you will know that I am the Lord. God didn't play in the Old Testament, especially in the Old Testament. That's why some of y'all can't finish it. You got nightmares at night. And the sovereign Lord says, because you clapped and you stamped and you cheered with glee at the destruction of my people, I will lift up my fist against you. I will give you as plunder to many nations. I will cut you off from being a nation and destroy you completely. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Then you won't joke anymore. You're not going to joke with me. You see, what was happening here is God had to deal with his people. But when the enemy began to mock, when the others around surrounding began to mock and say, Oh, yeah, look at you. You got messed up. When you begin to play around and joke with the serious things of God, God said, I heard that. So, so watch this. God did not judge the Ammonites because of what they did. He judged them for their attitude. He judged them because they joked. He judged them because they played games with it, because they mocked in their spirit and in their heart. God began to judge them because of their, their attitude, not their actions. They were destroyed for their attitude, and they thought joking around about God's people and God's kingdom was free territory, but God obviously has a problem with people joking about his holy things. There are lines that can be crossed, and I don't want to cross them. The elders used to tell us that we're supposed to, to, to revere God. Everybody heard that word in a long time? To revere God? It's the other definition of fear. It's not a fear like I don't have faith. It's a fear like I respect who you are. You're the mighty God. You're the king of kings. I would dare not ever speak against you, king. I know who you are. I know who I am. And I revere you, king of kings. Proverbs 14 and 9. Let's get some wisdom in here. Fools make a mock at sin. Only fools make a mock at sin. Only fools think that sin is no big deal. Mock around with it. Joke around with sin. But among the righteous, there is favor among the righteous. And 2 Kings 2 and 22 through 25, one of my personal favorite scriptures, except, well, you'll see. Uh, Elisha the prophet was traveling one time. He was a prophet, preacher, man of God. He was traveling from city to city. And there was a group of uh, young people who made fun of him because he was bald. And they began to call out his bald head and make fun of him. And they mocked him. Apparently, it must have been pretty bad because two female bears come out of the woods and kill 42 of them. Some of y'all that don't have any hair feel a little bit of victory today, aren't you? Just, that's it. Take one for the team. But, but he was a preacher, a man of God. And I grew up, they used to preach this to me, and they said, dare not touch the Lord's anointed. I, I got a New Testament scripture for you. 
Jesus said, anybody that harms these little kids, it's better that a millstone be tied around his neck and he's sunk off into the ocean. Can we redefine what the anointed ones or what the protected ones are in the kingdom? It's not just the preachers and prophets. It's the least among us also. Yeah. So look how Jesus refers, look how the Word of God refers to playing games and joking and making fun of holy things. I don't want to play games with holy things. I believe it's still serious to serve God. I believe the kingdom of God is still a serious thing. I believe our salvation is still serious and there are times when we should not be laughing and we should not be joking, but we should be weeping and we should be repenting and we should be making sure that we're right with our God. Jesus even continued in the New Testament in Luke 6, 25, Woe unto you that are full, for you shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now, for you shall mourn and you shall weep. Laugh today, cry tomorrow. Have your parties until the rapture takes place. You will cry eventually. Those you are afraid to cry, you will have no problem doing it one day. This is not the hour to play games. This is not the hour to joke. This is not the hour to just forget about all things serious. This is the hour to buckle down. This is the hour to be real. This is the hour to take serious heart. He turns over the temples and the temple, the tables. He turns them over. He uses a, he uses a whip, a bull whip to, to, to get the, the businessmen out and the business and the, and, the, and the religious people out of the temple. And he said, my house shall be a, a house of prayer. The religious people really, really made the serious side of Jesus come out. The aggressive side of the Lord was always around religious people. And it always made him really just get strong and, and fight and say, no, we're not having that. So when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ, ladies and gentlemen, it's so serious. But how do we get serious? How do we get serious? Well, we're serious about what we love, what we value. I, it's amazing. I, I, who was it? Somebody, <laughs> I think it was Sister Paige that did a meme or something where it said a picture of me getting up at 6 a.m. to go on vacation, and it was like someone really happy jumping out of the bed. And then it was like me getting up for work at 6 a.m. as someone with like sleep in their eyes, looking like they were a zombie. And I thought, you know what? That's exactly right. Guys can hop out the bed real early to go hunting, and they're excited to go fishing. Ladies can go, get up when it's time to go on vacation. Isn't it amazing how the same thing is just because of value? It's amazing how we act differently when we love something. Let's go to church. I don't want to go to church. It's a value thing. How do I get you to be serious? You have to care about the thing. You have to care about the thing. It has to concern you, has to matter to you, has to weigh, has to have value to you. I can't make anybody be serious. If you don't love it, you'll never be serious. Pastor, make the people in church be serious. I can't. I can't make you be serious. I can't make you be serious. All I can do is tell you that this is worth it. He is worth it. He is worthy to love. He is worthy to serve. He is worth the carefulness and the concern. Jesus is worth it all. Jesus even values our relationship. And when it's threatened, he doesn't play games. When we're on the border of backsliding, the border of losing, the border of leaving, he is serious about us. The Bible says in Revelation 3 and 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Talking to those who aren't right. He doesn't play games with those who aren't right. 
Why in the world do you want me to go easy on you when you could be lost and go to hell? I have no idea. See, see, I think it's hard to prove your pastor loves you if you're wrong and you never get corrected. How do you believe your pastor loves you? I mean, you're literally going to know better, know the Word of God, and know the saint and not say anything? You love yourself more. Let me just give you a little tip about rebuke and about getting little, you know, kids in trouble and stuff. Here's a parenting tip. Here's just a tip in general. It, it, it does hurt us more to, to have to rebuke somebody else. If you truly love someone, it hurts more. And this is why our nation's messed up, because people love themselves more than they love their children. See, it, it hurts me to have to get my kids in trouble. So I don't do it sometimes. I'm confessing. Sometimes I don't do it because it hurts me to have to get involved. It's a lot of stress on me. So because I love me so much, I won't do what's best for them. But when I do what's best for them, it's proof that I don't love me. I love them. Don't let the devil lie to you. Because the devil wants to tell everybody in American culture that whenever you do what's best for someone, when you rebuke them, when you correct them, it's because you hate them. The devil is a liar. Whom I love, I correct. I rebuke. I chasten them. We have to get this back in the church. It is not wrong for us to call out sin. It's not wrong for us to tell people that they could be lost forever. If you love somebody, you have got to be honest. You have got to be zealous and get them to repent. He said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. I will sit there and eat with him and he with me. And to him that overcomes will I grant to sit with me in my throne. Look at the progression. If you can just let him rebuke you, you can sit in heaven one day beside him. If you will not allow a rebuke, if you won't let anything get serious, then you're not going to go to heaven. There is no progression of salvation because salvation is a serious topic. You being with him is important and it should be the number one most important thing in your life right now is that you get to sit beside him one day in heaven. Whatever it takes, God. Whatever it takes, God. So ladies and gentlemen, youth, children, this is no game. Open the door and get free of your, your sensitive, serious sensitivities. Scared scared if somebody just stole if somebody just stole a lot of stuff from your house do you want the police officer to be like well how's it going got any donuts hey i like your couch can i relax here for a minute had a rough day is that is that what you want from that professional no, you'd be mad. You'd be getting his badge number. You'd be like, I can't believe you don't care about me. Unless that man comes up in there, that woman comes up in there and like, no, you show me the fingerprints and what happened in the window and the cameras. Unless they're serious, you don't think they care. Interesting, isn't it? Somebody trying to put you in jail for something you didn't do. You want a lawyer that just jokes around? No big deal, man. No big deal. No big deal. I'm going to go to jail for five years. It's a big deal. Nah, no big deal. Hey, man, let's just go eat some tacos. Let's relax. We'll get to all that later. Is that the kind of lawyer you want? No, you'd be offended by that lawyer because if he wasn't serious, you wouldn't think he cared about you. Interesting. Got your hand cut off, and you're trying to hold it on there on the way that the, the doctor, and the, and the doctor comes in and says, so, uh, you know, you want to go, on, you, know, you like vacations? You, where, where do you like to go? 
Sir, can we fix my hand, please? Well, I'm just trying to be friendly. I'm just trying to, you know, be casual. I'm just, I just want to, I want to be your friend. No, no, I want you to fix my hand, please. We, we can do all that later. I, I need my hand put back on. Why are you not getting serious right now? Is that the kind of doctor that you want? A doctor that just plays games with you whenever you've got something emergent happening in your life. Is that the kind of doctor we want? We want a doctor that takes our health seriously. Interesting. Child's not breathing. And you want a serious EMS worker to show up and not play games, not play it on their phone. You want someone serious. But here's what I don't get. You come to church. Eternity is at stake. No, pastor, calm down. Calm down, pastor. Don't get too serious, pastor. Let's don't get too serious right now, pastor. Because it's just eternity. It's just heaven and hell forever. So why don't you just take it easy, pastor? Let's just have some tacos. Let's just have a good time. Don't talk about anything serious. Don't, don't get up here and, and, li- and get down where I'm living, pastor. I don't understand that one bit. I have no idea why people would want to come to church and not get serious about their salvation when everything else in your life, you want it to be serious. I want serious preaching more than I want a serious policeman. I want serious salvation more than I want a serious surgeon. I want serious doctrine more than I want serious doctors in my life because this matters more than anything else. This matters the most. So you prove my words today when I tell you, when you stop getting serious, you start to lose the thing you're not serious about. Yeah, mountain climbers, <laughs> they, they're serious. Because if you're up 20,000 feet and you're playing games, you're going to die. There's no jokes up there. There's no playing around with whether you've got enough air, oxygen, equipment, or food. It's no game. When you start to play around, you start to die. Astronauts don't do the checklist before they fly up into the, into the atmosphere and say, oh, well, one of our sensors went off. No big deal. Let's just have a latte. It's very serious to them. Every single check marker on that list must be perfect because it's life or death. When you start to play games with something, you start to lose that something. Million dollar companies don't get massive because their employees play around all day. No, they're great, they're powerful, they're amazing because they're serious. Pro athletes don't get to eat what they want. They don't get to do what they want all day long. And we all envy them and we think it's just amazing, it's just great. But you know what? They take their, their sport very seriously. They're, they're professionals at what they do. It's not, it's not automatic. If you start to play around, you'll lose your career, you'll lose your money, you'll lose everything. You can't play around and be successful. On that topic, this blows my mind. We will let a high school football coach cuss out our young boys on the football team to encourage them to be better, but yet a youth pastor. Yeah. <laughs> pastor, I, the youth leaders are, they just, my kids don't really like the youth leaders. They, the other day, one of them had to get on to them. Y'all, I have youth pastored, I have youth pastored young boys who literally told me with their own mouth that we get cussed out by our school coach while in practice to motivate us to be a better football player. And yet parents accolade them. Parents have no problem getting, my boy got cussed out today. Anybody else would have cussed out your kid, you would have shot him. But it's okay as long as it's going to make them rich. But it's not okay if it makes them saved. 
We're messed up. We're deceived. The devil lies to us, uh, and I've got to help you today get this out of your culture because we're Christian people, and nothing's more serious than our walk with God. Nothing is more serious than being saved. Got that, that boy now wanting to quit church. The family wants to quit church because they got the feelings hurt, but yet they can, they can be all kinds of serious in the world. If anybody's going to be allowed to be serious with me, it's going to be about the topic of Jesus Christ and my salvation. I give you permission, if it has to do with my soul, to be serious about it. Because everything else is just a game. So let's not be hypocritical. Let's not get all serious about our college degrees and about how, how we've got to make it in the world and then lose our souls. Every parent, every family, every one of us should have a, have a plan to say, you know what? I want my kids to be stirred. I want to make sure that they're told that they're not right. I want to make sure that I'm not the only one in their life saying this is right and this is wrong. Come on, come on. Some of y'all parents act like you act like you don't want anybody to help you raise your kids, but you're, you're drowning. Come on, come on. I tell you what's nice is whenever there's four or five people saying the same thing to your teenagers. Because there's five million of them on Instagram saying the opposite. You need all the help you can get right now. We need all the help we can get right now because this is not a game. This is serious. David was serious about Goliath. Joshua was serious about Jericho. Paul was serious about preaching, and Jesus was serious about the cross. Whenever I was in Florida, and I, 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 I'm going to these guys, and they're causing all kinds of pain, and <laughs> I, was, I was going... Uh, they were shooting me in the back of the neck, and I was like, oh, I can't believe I paid for this. And it was just like, it was, it was, it's a very serious thing, and it's a lot of pain, a lot of discomfort. And, and one of the things that I hate the most about it is the therapy I have to do whenever I'm home. Supposedly, I guess three times a day, I haven't got the new number, but three times a day I have to wear a two-pound head weight that has weighted right here on my head, and I have to wear it, get it all down, and I have to get in this certain position, get my, my posture right. It's very difficult to get into, and I've got to do all this to get my neck curve in the right place. It's just like physical therapy at home. And, and, and so my problem is I, my head and my neck hurts, and now we're going to make it worse. Thank you, doctors. When I'm like, you want me to, okay, I already have a lot of problems. You want me to do more to make it worse? But they're telling me, no, this is to make it better. And I'm sitting here going, it, ain't, it don't feel better. Here, here's the bottom line. Do you want to get better, sir? Hey, you can keep trying to live comfortable and try to escape this pain all you want to, but do you want to get better? So I forced myself to put that dumb thing on and I got to get in the mirror and they want me to have my head back and have a double chin. I look like a goofball. I look like a, a goofball with a turtleneck on top of my head. And here I am just doing all this stuff and I'm in the mirror and I hate every second of it, but it's because I'm serious that I endure all that discomfort because I know it will be worth it all in the end if I can endure this awkward moment this awkward moment where the pastor's preaching when someone tells me something, I don't like it. I know you don't like it either, but I just know that I am more serious about my recovery, my, my restoration, than I am about this moment that I'm in. You think that we have 
We have equal voting rights today in this nation because people were playing games. No, black people marched down the streets for decades to fight for it. And I thank God that they did because they deserved it. It's the right thing. But you can't play games if you want to actually have some progress. And today we see the same spirit moving around gay people because now there's only a few gay people in percentages, but yet they're turning the whole nation around because they're serious about it. Where is the church at? There's a whole lot more of us. There's a whole lot more of us, but we're so sensitive to being serious. We're scared because we don't think it's fun to be serious. Let me ask you a question. Is it fun to see the dead raised? Is it fun to watch the blinded eyes open up? Is it fun to see the chains fall off? Is it fun to see broken people be healed? Is it fun to see the lost be saved? You tell me, is that not fun? Maybe you and I have a different definition of what's fun, but having a good marriage is fun. Seeing your kids be raised right is fun. It's fun. This is the best life, but you got to do it right because if you play around with it, you'll hate being a Christian. This is an all-in kind of thing. Revelation, I just read to you earlier, I didn't finish it, but Jesus said, I'd rather you be hot or cold than lukewarm. Because lukewarm is the middle, it's miserable, it's halfway in, halfway out. You're not, you don't know if you're lost or saved, it's the worst place to be. Halfway is the worst place to be. I'd rather you guys not even be in church right now. If you're going to play games and be a hypocrite, you're better off not even coming on Sundays or Wednesdays. Because at least you know you're lost. This is no game. We are in an hour where there are no games. You can look at the season and see where we are. What season are we in right now? Are we in a season of games? Are we in a season to continue with our habits, our television and our movies? Are we in a season for that? Is that the season we're in to not be at church? Are we in a season to not pray? No. Look around. This is a season to get serious. Yeah. This is a serious season. And God has called me and spoken to me today to come in this place and tell you that we cannot play games with some things. When it's time to have tacos, let's have a good time. But right now, this is about your soul, your marriage, your family, and your salvation. This is no game. And you're going to have a hard time finding a church that will preach like this. And if this is weird to you, you better thank God. Because this is about you today. Making sure you're right with God. There's videos like crazy. People send them to me all the time. Lord's coming back soon. Look what's happening here. Look what's happening here. This is not the season to play games. This is a season to strip out anything that would distract us. This is a season to get our family together and say enough of that, enough of that, and enough of that. This is serious. Is it serious to you? Got to have money. No, you got to have salvation. Well, pastor, I got to work. No, you got to go to heaven. That's more serious. Pastor, we just understand life is tough. No, eternal life is what I'm looking for. Hey, I'm the wrong guy to talk to about your life stuff. Talk to me about your eternal life stuff. You go talk to some counselor somewhere that doesn't know Jesus about your life problems. Talk to me about your eternal life problems. Because I I cannot celebrate you when you're not walking with God. This is too serious. 
Anybody ready to be serious? Anybody ready to embrace seriousness? To stop being sensitive to seriousness? So easily offended all the time. God help us care about our salvation more than ever. When I was a kid, I'm done, I'm, I'm wrapping it up. When I was a kid, my cousins and I were Christians. I don't even know how young we were. We were 10, 11. We would dream about in a vision how long eternity would be. Have you ever tried that before? That's a weird thought. It's like looking in a, a double mirror behind you, in front of you, and it just keeps going. And the more you try to look at how far it, it, it duplicates, the crazier it gets. Because it's hard to fathom no end. And when we were young, we would literally scare ourselves to death. Because we would imagine, you know, when you're young, you don't, you're not doing right. You don't make the bed. You feel like you're always going to go to hell when you're 12. You're just like, I'm not right. I didn't make the bed. Mom's mad at me. And so we would scare ourselves to death because we knew about heaven and hell. We, we knew about eternity. And there'd be a few times we would try to imagine how long forever is. And in those rare moments when my mind was getting very close to trying to imagine forever, it would make me shudder inside because there is no ending to eternity. And you and I cannot fathom that. But it brings a soberness to you. It brings a seriousness to you when you realize this is not a game. People are lost and they need to be saved. Jesus, help us. Here recently, the Lord has spoken to me and told me that, that we're going to have to shift our outreach to saying, are you going through a tough time, want to come to church, to are you saved? You know, the elders used to preach that. They used to get up in pulpits across America and just say this, are you saved? You know what we say? Are you having a bad day? Come to church. Oh, you don't have any money? Come to church. Something broken? Come to church. But you know, the biggest question is, are you lost? Yeah. Hey, you can be broken and, and not have the money and all those little things. You have a bad day. That's fine. But are you saved? But we, we don't preach the gospel the right way. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Not that would had a bad day, that they didn't get the car they want, didn't have a good time, but lost people. This is no game. So the Holy Ghost said, you know what's going to change things in the world? Is start talking to people out there like this. People are lost and you have to be saved. Are you lost? But I have a nice house, but are you lost? But, but, but I, have a good, I have a good family, but are you lost? But I, I like my job, I like my life, everybody gets along, but are you lost? It's no game. You literally can have all those things, be atheist, you can be lost and have all those things going for you. It is a serious topic. Anybody love serving the Lord? Let's all stand to our feet today in this place. Let me tell you how we're going to close. I, I have done it both ways. I have half-heartedly served the Lord, and I have been miserable. And I have been full ahead, and I have had great peace and joy. Jesus was on the cross. And on the cross, he was, I don't know, six foot off the ground, suspended between earth and heaven. 
it had to be, hands down, the most miserable moment for Jesus Christ. Would you agree? And I believe that the most miserable place you ever have is halfway decided on whether or not you're going to give in or not. Halfway dead and almost resurrected at the same time. And the Bible says that he gave up the ghost. The more I see death, the more I see people die, the more I hear about it, the more I believe there's the ability to give up the ghost. How many of y'all believe that? I, I have heard of people saying, you know what, I'm ready to go see Jesus. And they've given up, and it wasn't but a day, they've been dead, they've died. I've seen others say, you know what, I'm not ready to go yet, I'm going to fight, and they've come through cancer. I believe that we have a great power in us to give up or to go forward. It's a strong will inside of us. So there Jesus was, suspended between heaven and earth. The most miserable moment you'll ever have as a Christian is whenever you're undecided. Are you going to go through with it or not? You can get back down off that cross and maybe get healed, or you can just finish it all right now. But the most miserable place in all the world is when you won't finish what you started, when you won't get serious about what you signed up for. You cannot get in this thing half-hearted and be happy. But I love serving God, but only because I'm all in. I truly love it. So I'm speaking to someone right now that you're halfway in church and you don't, you're not really sold. You, you think I'm crazy. You think this life is not good. I want to testify and tell you right now it's because you won't get all the way in. It's because you refuse to submit everything to him and to truly repent and give your life to him and give your old life up. You refuse to do it. And that's why this doesn't appeal to you very much. This only works if you get all the way in. It's serious today. It's serious today. Lord, I thank you so much for your word today. I thank you, God. For... Oh, Jesus, I thank you, God, for your word. And I ask that right now there'd be such a great move of purpose, intention, of carefulness in us. God, I ask you right now, Lord, let, let there be a soberness come over us today that says, you know what, there's some things I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a good time and I'm going to know when to joke and I'm going to sit on the back porch and drink some tea. But there's other times I've got to get real with my salvation, with the topics, with my words, my actions. I've got to have some conversations with my spouse that are real, that are serious. And I don't like it. I don't like the position I got again. I don't like the head weights. I don't like all that pain, but, but I like the results. And that's what I want, God. I want the results. I want to find joy in serving you, God. I'm speaking to someone right now that you have lost your joy because you're not all the way in. And you know what? I can't help you with that until you give everything to Jesus. I cannot put that on you. I can't make you have it. Listen, it's not just one fruit of the Spirit. It's all. It's all or nothing. I can't a la carte you joy and give you one piece of it. Either you have it or you don't have any of it. You've got to come all the way in to get all of that joy and all of that peace. Everything you're looking for in this life, you must give it all to Jesus. 
Please don't make the mistake that others have made of being halfway in the church, playing games with their salvation, trying to turn away when the preacher's preaching, trying to sit on the back and, and make your way out, trying to think about lunch right now. You've got all day to eat your lunch. It's serious today. Let this not produce a fear that pushes us away. Let this produce a soberness that says, yes, I am all in. Nothing will distract me. Nothing. Let's resolve in our hearts today. Nothing will change my mind. I'm okay being serious, God. I'm okay being serious, God. Sometimes you just got to weep. You just got to cry. You just got to open up your heart. And say, this is no laughing matter. My imagination, my heart, my direction, it's no game. I am all in more than money, more than my business, more than any part of my life. I am serious about this more than anything. Everybody say yes in Jesus' name. Lift your hands up right now. Let's pray in the Holy Ghost. God, I turn the service over. Away from me and my ability to your spirit right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray, God, that there be a great prayer. A great prayer meeting, a great word go forth today. God, I pray that the voices would open up and the minds would shift away from this world and to eternity. God, I want to get somebody off their cross. I want to get somebody off their cross. You don't love church. You're not excited about church. I want to help you get off your cross. You're halfway there, sir. You're halfway there, ma'am. You're halfway to your joy. You're halfway to your peace. Just come on up. You've heard about giving it up. You've heard about quitting it, but you haven't done it yet. And you're angry and you're mad and it's not working. And you blame God and you blame the church, but it's not anybody else's fault. Just surrender to him today and get serious about your salvation. And I'm telling you, you'll love your life. You'll love your family. You'll love this life. You'll love your church. You'll love your pastor. You'll love your brother. You'll love gathering together. You'll love everything Christianity. Oh, God, I'm, I'm not going to joke around about this. God, send somebody to convict me. Send a preacher. Send a family member. I don't want to play games with my soul, God. Whatever it takes, Jesus. Speak to us, Holy Ghost. Just a second, Sister Shan. Let me speak to someone right now. In the world of everybody looking for videos for a word from God, listen, the people that know you the most need to have a right to speak to you. A lot of y'all letting people preach to you on the internet that don't even know you, don't live with you, don't know your attitude, your spirit, what you're wrong with you. We have got to give people closest to us permission to hurt us and make us uncomfortable and make us stirred. We've got too many voices out there. When your wife says to you, listen to me, listen. When your husband says, listen to you, listen. When your mom and your dad say, listen to me, listen. Nobody will love you more. No one will love you more than your spouse, than your parents, than your family. And yet we dismiss the people that know us the most. That's it. Receive it right now. Come on, God is going to break some things in this service right now. Enough, enough. They're not trying to hurt you. They're not trying to hurt you. They love you. They love you. 
They care about you. They want to hold your hand walking on the streets of gold one day, and yet you just mark them off, and you get mad at them, and you say stuff like, get away from me. They love you so much, and you won't hear them. God, we give permission. Lift your hands. We give permission for those closest to us to tell us the truth, God. God, in this service right now, you have already given people to us that know us the most. They know our hurts, our hang-ups, our failures. God, who is it that's close to us that we have pushed them away because they know too much about us? We won't let them speak to us. The devil is a lie. You need your church, your pastor, your family, your friends. You need them so badly. Oh, God, deliver us right now in the name of Jesus and set us free. Somebody needs to hear love. This is the God love right here. This is the God love right here. To not let you go easily into the night. To not let you stay bound. But God, I give my loved ones permission. I ask them for help. I open up conversations that are uncomfortable. I must be saved, God. I must be saved, God. Threaten your spouse because they talk the truth to you. What are you doing? What are you doing? Threatening your parents because they actually care about you more than anybody else. You wouldn't even have an iPhone right now if it wasn't for your mom and your daddy. You wouldn't even have the Xbox. The devil's lied to you. Oh, God, speak to us right now. Thank God for people that take a chance with us. Thank God for people that tell us what we don't want to hear because they love us too much to see us go to hell. Thank God for serious people. You're going to protect yourself to hell all the way. You hear me today? You're going to protect yourself. You're going to be so sensitive that no one's ever going to want to talk to you and tell you the truth. And one day you're going to knock on the doors to try to get into heaven and God's going to tell you, I'm not letting you in. And you won't even realize it. You'll think that he's crazy because you never let anybody speak truth to you. Because you got mad and chose a pastor that never even pastored you. Because you found a church that wouldn't even stir you. And you're going to be confused one day. God, help our children. God, help them to respect their parents. God, help our marriages and our friends and family to actually have conversations that are serious conversations. Would you close your eyes right now? I can't tell you the times that my wife wanted to talk seriously to me and I just wanted to look the other way and I just wanted to talk about something else, anything else. Do you really want to push out the person that loves you the most? Kids, I can't wait till I get 18. I'm leaving this place. Who's going to love you like your parents? Nobody. Come on, let's lift up our hands. The Holy Ghost is speaking to us right now. Let's respond to the Lord. 
He's coming back soon. Get mad at me all you want. You'll get mad all you want. Get mad all you want. But you'll thank me one day on the streets of gold. You'll thank us one day on the streets of gold. The people you're mad at today, you'll shout with tomorrow. Let's open up the revelation. Let's open up the discussion. Let's let people be serious. Why don't you find somebody beside you before you leave this place today? And why don't you just get real with them? Let them love you. Let them talk to you. Let them pray with you. You can hug me and never help me. I don't want cheap words from another preacher on the internet. I don't want somebody that looks good on the internet that says they love me but never does anything to help me. You need more than money and food and clothes. You need salvation. You need truth. You need doctrine. Have the whole world and lose your soul. Why can't parents and kids talk to each other? Why can't adult kids talk to their parents? Why can't adult parents talk to their adult children? Why can't we get serious about God? Keep pushing people away from you. Eventually they will leave you. Eventually you'll be alone. And you'll blame the church when we tried to help you. We tried to love you. We tried to speak to you. She wouldn't listen to us. Let your boss treat you like trash. All for $8.95 an hour. Let your boss talk down to you all day long just for money. Doesn't even phase you. Oh, God, we love you. Oh, I'm serious, God. It's not a game to me, God. I love you. I need you. It's not a game. Let the weight be on me to keep me sober and vigilant to to talk about eternity, to talk about forever. above all else I must be saved. For above all else, Come on, you need to ask people in your life. I must be saved. Ask people, what's the condition of my heart? That's it, sing it, Sister Shan. Let's worship him. Whatever it takes, Lord. He said, pluck out your eye. If it's going to keep you from eternity, then just lose it. I must be saved. Whatever it takes, I need it. For above all else, I'll give up anything if it means I'm saved. Must be saved. Jesus, you're first. Nothing else can get in the way. For That's it, sis. Receive it right now, young people. Hear us today. 
enough to have the uncomfortable conversations. Nobody enjoys it. Nobody likes it. Talk to me. I'm ready, Lord. I want it. I must. Speak to us, Holy Ghost, today. Thank you, Lord. Everybody say in Jesus' name. 
We're not dismissed yet. As soon as we're dismissed, if you want to visit or counsel with someone, pray with someone, please listen to me just for a moment as the Holy Ghost has a word for us right now. While you were worshiping and praying, the Lord just showed me a picture of him standing at the door, Revelation chapter 3, where it says he's rebuking and chastening. But listen, he's rebuking, he's chastening, and he wants us to repent. Why? Because he's knocking on the door to come in to do what? To sup with us. And the Holy Ghost just spoke to me and said, the reason why you can't get anybody to listen to your rebuke is because you have no meal in your hands. Imagine, y'all, the reason why I'm trying to rebuke you is because I want to come eat with you. And the reason why you can't get through to your lost loved ones is because you won't cook for them. You don't love them. You just like being in charge. You like feeling self-righteous. We don't rebuke people to feel powerful. We correct so that we can come into them. We correct so the Lord can come in. We do what we do because we want a fellowship. And if you have no desire to be with the person in fellowship, you have no right to correct them. So before you go knocking on somebody's door and calling somebody that you think you love, you better go cook a meal for them. And you better bring that meal to their door. You better say, please let me in. Please get right. I've cooked a meal for you. I want to be with you. The Lord wants to be with you. I want to love you. I want to care for you. You don't know to get on, the, get on the phone today and start getting all zealous telling everybody what's wrong with them. If you don't bring a meal, you don't deserve to talk to them. The purpose of rebuking and correcting is not so you can feel like you're the boss. The purpose is to access, to be able to fellowship. So I know you got this passion, and we got this passion. I'm going to tell my husband, I'm going to tell my wife, but listen, you don't do it for any other reason except for the fact that you have prepared something to fellowship with. The only reason why you're going to do it is because you want to have a relationship. That's why God does it to us. Because he wants to come into us. He wants to cook. He wants to bring the food. He wants to have dinner with us. He wants to have friendship and relationship. So listen to me. We're going to reach our world, but we're going to do it with food in our hands. We have no right to, to correct people that we don't love. So if you don't love them, don't try to correct them. Because your love is not in your rebuke. Your love is in your meal. Your love is in the meal you prepared. If you have no meal, then you really can't prove that you love the person. So before you go around trying to tell everybody they need to get right with God, they need to get right with God. Make sure that you have spent the investment with cooking for them and serving them and bringing to them. That's how they'll listen. That's how the door will open. That's how we're going to get through. Somebody this week cook for somebody. Before you call them and tell them, I hadn't seen you in church in a long time, sister. You might want to actually cook for them first. You know you ain't right, son. Well, you know you hadn't loved me in five years telling me to come to church. Well, I'm going to call up my kids that are backslidden. I'm going to tell them that they're going to go to hell if they don't. Cook a meal first, y'all. Cook a meal first. Why don't you bring something to the table besides the rebuke? Bring some love. Maybe they'll open up the door if you'll love them, have a relationship desire for them. You know, people need, they need love. That's what they need. And we only correct because we love them, because God loves them. 
Thank you, Holy Ghost. Let's lift our hands one more time. Thank you, Jesus. God, have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy. Who are you thinking about cooking for right now? Who do you love right now that you want them to be changed, but you just need to go to work for them, okay? I want the Holy Ghost right now to turn this into evangelism right now. There's somebody you desperately want to help, but they won't hear you. Who can you cook for this week that may make them want to open up the door for you? Because your serving will open up the door more than your correction. Your serving will open up the door to correction. Speak to us, Holy Ghost. It's because we love the world that we preach to the world. It's because we love people. Because we love people. It's why we do what we do. Because we want to be with them and for them to be in heaven. Oh, God, we need your love. We need your mercies and grace, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Everybody say in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for helping each other at Austin First Church, for talking to each other. Thank you for talking and loving and teaching and encouraging each other. It's good. It's good. Listen to me. One more thing. Listen to me. I can't be everywhere at once. You need to give people permission to talk to you at this church. Y'all hear me? The old days of going to the pastor and the pastor fix everything is good for a small church. But God's called us to have a big church. You know what that's going to take? It's going to take spiritual, loving people, building relationships with people, and you letting them speak to you, helping you, love you. You need your brothers and sisters. Don't get mad. Don't say, well, you're not the pastor. This is the body of Christ, not the neck of Christ. Many members, we need each other. Build relationships and have accountability, no matter how old you are. This is serious. This is serious. Everybody say, thank you, Lord. We love you all so much. Shake hands, be friendly. If you want to keep praying, pray. Let's be serious about God. Let's open up. Let's get real. Let's get right. We're here to help you and love you. Let's go to heaven together in Jesus' name. God bless you today.